a huge NIL deal has been announced for a number of IU athletes that is going to pay out nearly half a million dollars to these athletes. We're going to talk about that today as well as continuing our season recap so we, as we talk about some of the departing players from the men's basketball team. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Friday, April 8th. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rood. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers part of your day today. Uh, more importantly, your first listen every single day. Reminder, we are free and available on YouTube, um, and we've been getting lots of traffic, lots of conversations going on over there, so be sure you guys subscribe, join in. We premiere the episodes there daily at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. You guys can be a part of that conversation. As I said in the intro, we will be talking about this really big NIL deal um, that will see nearly half a million dollars paid out to IU athletes. Um, the first really big one for Indiana, uh, one of the first really big ones I've seen like this at all. So plenty to talk about there. Before we dive into that, as in subscribe to Locked On Hoosiers, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, follow us at LO underscore Hoosiers on Twitter or Locked On Hoosiers on Instagram. Joined today by my good friend and yours, Jared Gasul. Jared, we haven't talked since the end of the basketball season, but uh, I hope you are doing well. I am. I haven't had any IU sports to stress me out in, in almost a month. I feel great. I, I feel like I've lost a bunch of weight. I I, I, lo- I look better. I'm living healthier. I'm, <laughs> I, I just feel a lot better. I'm uh, a little bit more spry these days. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a lot more stress-free when you don't have to constantly, constantly be looking at bracketology um, and stressing through the final five minutes of games. But we have... IU Athletics News to lead off with today. Uh, the Hoosiers for Good NIL program was announced on Thursday. Um, it was kind of started, brainstormed, however you want to word it. One of the uh, people that helped start it was Fred Glass, former IU Athletics Director, who did a number of great things uh, with IU Athletics during his time in charge. There were others involved, but I think for IU fans, uh, Glass is the most notable. Um, the the kind of first wave, the first recruiting class, they announced it as kind of a class on um, Twitter, but the first class of athletes, there are 14 student athletes netting $470,000. You don't have great to realize how much money that is. Uh, we'll talk about some of the... Um, figures here in a little bit because we do know what some of the people are making but the the kind of general idea of it is um, linking up the student athletes with charitable causes in the state you have things like riley children's foundation um, indiana wish kind of similar to make a wish for indiana um, indiana american red cross habitat for humanity in monroe county 
Stop the Violence Indianapolis, the Boys and Girls Club in Bloomington. There are numerous others, but uh, it the Hoosiers for Good kind of works as the, the middleman of sorts to take these athletes, um, pay them money, and link them up with these charitable causes so that everybody gets kind of a benefit from this. The aim is to distribute a million dollars a year to athletes. This is kind of the first class. They're going to announce more along the way. So um, kind of having, before we dive into any of the specifics, having all this information, I guess, just what's your general thoughts on this uh, this program announcement? Good for them. Good for them. It's about time. Uh, it's about time. And obviously, um, obviously, it's a lot of money. I mean, yeah. more money than I came into it in the university. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. But um, look, there's not much to make of it other than the times they are changing. Um, I think it's great, obviously, um, you know, having these kids get paid, having uh, having charities involved. Um, but look, it's it, I hate to be I hate to take the callous view at it. Um, and we sort of discussed this a little bit before, but is this like, do you, how do you think this compares to like the rest of the country? And do you think this deals like this would give IU a little bit of a competitive advantage in the recruiting market? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fair question to ask. And when I, when you say it's, it kind of helps everybody. I mean, the, the athletic programs are among those people that it helps um, for, I mean, Again, I haven't seen um, a ton of NIL deals, um, like the figures with them. I know that there were talks about Kentucky basketball players making a million dollars. It doesn't seem like that might be real, but um, I'm sure there are places around that are making big money like that. Football, I'm sure, is just a cash cow. Um, it's... IU doesn't really operate the same as a an SEC school or a Big Twelve school where bass or excuse me football is the cash cow. But, but um, it, this is I mean it's a great it's a great thing for for everybody. I mean literally all parties involved. It, it gets these charitable foundations to have these these big name athletes, college athletes, to come in and be part of their um, cause and help out. It gets the athletes paid as they should be. I think we're well past the days of arguing whether they should be paid or not. So it gets athletes paid. And it, it does work in some degree as a recruiting advantage, a competitive advantage. You Like people around Indiana, people around IU Athletics are going to see the headlines of IU NIL deal aims to pay a million dollars to athletes, and that just catches your eye. So it's fair to uh, look at it. I think I know it. It's kind of callous, but uh, it's not wrong to look at it in that way. Um, there's a number of athletes involved in this that are um, fairly notable. Most of the, or most known of those, I should say, Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, who, based on reports, as Jeff Rabjohns tweeted out on Thursday, uh, he said, per a number of sources, Indiana's Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson are expected to receive six-figure NIL deals. Uh, my reaction to that is secure the bags. Like, absolutely. I am very happy for them um, that they are making money off their uh, 
off their brand, off their name, their image, their likeness. Uh, excited for them. But among the other kind of known athletes, Mackenzie Berger and Brace Holm, or uh, let me flip that. Grace McKenzie Holm <laughs> uh, with Indiana Wish, Jack Tuttle with the American Red Cross, Jordan Levi, a women's soccer player with the Habitat for Humanity. Uh, and then you have Sean Shivers, A.J. Barner, both football players for Recycle Force. There's others involved across multiple sports. I think one of the – there aren't many sports that aren't represented in this one. Men's soccer doesn't look like there's anybody. Baseball. It seems like the goal is to get at least an athlete from every sport or the main sport, softball players, volleyball players, um, swimming and diving, things of that nature. So um, – DJ Matthews Jr., Taiwan Mullen, both involved with the Boys and Girls Club as well. So um, a huge, I think it's a pretty huge deal for the program, for these athletes to to see them um, secure money off all this. Uh, do you have any other kind of thoughts about this or anything? Yeah, it's crazy that people pretended like this would be a bad thing for as long as they did. <laughs> I yeah. mean it's 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 ludicrous to me and obviously you know players like trace rays um grace all the aces um they they fully fully deserve to be paid for their um for what they've done for the programs let alone the attention that they bring let alone how good they are at what they do um so it's about time that's the that's the big takeaway for me is it's about time it's good that now this is a thing and people are the resources are going into the right places um, and people are now realizing that everything was just, just a, a nice little greed child for years and years and years. And we finally broken free of that. So good for the kids. Yes. Less money that goes into the pockets of the NCAA and the more into the athletes. I am all here for, if you can kind of do the math, uh, 487,000 is the amount they're distributing. Six-figure deals to trace and race. We obviously don't know anything other than that. But I mean, if you consider, if you say both of them made hundred thousand um, dollars, you're looking at two hundred eighty-seven thousand split among the twelve other athletes. It's an average of twenty-four thousand dollars. I we I don't think we will get the exact figures. Um, I don't know if they're not. Regardless, like this is the amount of money we're talking for. I know it's probably going to vary for the football players versus the, the softball players just by the nature of the sport and how popular they are and things like that. But still, you're talking a lot of money for these athletes to do things that um, at least some of them would have been involved with anyway and more than anything, just kind of cashing in on their brand. So um, excited to see that. Happy, happy for these athletes to get money that they absolutely deserve. And hopefully it's the beginning of something big because – this seems like a great idea. I would imagine this is exactly what the, the NCAA wanted for NIL deals, to have athletes working with charitable causes. But it seems like a great idea for for everyone, and I'm glad this is something that has been started. And hopefully it's something that, that flourishes and continues to pay athletes because on top of them getting paid, if you can tell athletes, hey, if you stick it out here, if you come here, um, you can be a part of this program and make six-figure deals. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a advantage as well. So congrats to all those athletes. Happy for them. And uh, 
again, hope this is the beginning of something new. We will continue our uh, season recaps, go back to men's basketball today as we talk their departing players. On Thursday's episode, we talked women's basketball, their senior class that was departing. Um, not much of a senior class for the men's side, but there are players that are departing, and we will talk about Rob Finnessy, Michael Durr, Parker Stewart here in a moment. Before that, though, guys, you hear me talk all the time about Built Bar, and it's because they're just so delicious. Um, they are not your mom and dad's protein bar. They are um, they're not chalky. They're not waxy. They're not hard to chew, hard to swallow, basically. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, uh, but they're still low-calorie, high-protein. Um, you can compare them to whatever candy bar you prefer. These are going to be better for you. Um, a typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most built bars are 130, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. They're delicious as well. Their strategy is the built bar tastes good and then make it healthy. The result is flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, cookies and cream, all types of chocolate flavors, white chocolate. Um, they are also always coming out with limited time flavors as well. Uh, so be sure to head on over to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order today. Find out what flavor you guys are craving. Uh, and again, use that promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Thanks for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. As we talked about with the women's team yesterday, they were departing their class that um, was well-established in Bloomington. Um, they had been there for a number of years and uh, had become the identity of the program. A little bit different when you look on the men's side. Uh, for one, there isn't really a senior class, as we said. There are seniors who could graduate, but uh, none of them, we don't, it's Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson, and a lot of those guys didn't necessarily choose to graduate, or at least haven't yet. Instead, it's guys who are departing the program, um, transferring. Parker Stewart is the one that it appears he did graduate, but the now as we speak is that Rob Fennessy, Michael Durr, and Parker Stewart, the three main figures, um, Departing the program, Race Thompson's decision is yet to be made as well. But um, when you look back on their seasons, I mean, for one, two of these three guys are going to be kind of forever linked to that Purdue game, I think. Rob Finnessy is always going to be known for that Purdue game. Um, but kind of the under-the-radar guy who was absolutely enormous in that game was Michael Durr. Um, Trace Jackson Davis in foul trouble the whole game. It was a season high in minutes Durr played. He played 24 minutes in that game uh, and was absolutely huge against one of the best fr front courts in the country. Um, we should throw Christian Lander in here as well. I know it's forgetting somebody, but um, the four of them obviously had varying levels of impact on the team. Um, but looking at We'll start with kind of fantasy and what he was able to do. He was, I think, the most important piece of these four, him or Parker Stewart. But I thought by season's end, Finn playing a lot better than Parker Stewart was. 
when you look back on fantasy season, it's always obviously going to include that Purdue game. But what what's just kind of your thoughts of of what he was able to do this season? Um, a little bit of disappointment. Um, just in the sense that, look, since day one, and I have the tweet receipts for it, I was huge on Rob Finnessy. I thought he was going to be like the tailor-made Yogi Ferrell replacement. Obviously, things didn't work out that way. Um, So it it was unfortunate. We had kind of hoped that that Purdue game would would sort of spark something in him and his play and and have him finish his Indiana career um, better than he did. Uh, That being said, he never has to buy another drink in Bloomington again. Um, And that when you reach that status as an Indiana basketball player, that's really all. <clears throat> that's really all you can ask for. Um, so look, he was he was good at in spurts this season. Um, or I mean, remember earlier in the season we were having a debate. You know, um, Finnessy, Parker Stewart, Xavier, who gets the minutes? Where do they go? And there was a point where Finnessy, in my eyes, was well ahead of Xavier. Obviously, they didn't finish the season like that. Um, but the it was a good season. It should have been better. I think injuries sort of hampered him a little bit. Um, it can't be understated that his last two years also obviously were COVID years. Things weren't normal. He probably, you know, had to change coaches obviously from t- from years under Archie Ball into Woody Ball. Um, so I'm sure that was a little bit tough on him. But look, he he has his. He has his Kodak moment. He has his Kodak moment. He hit the shot that made, forget about within the context of the season, that made Indiana fans all over kind of believe in Indiana basketball, the program again, that it was back, that they had their signature win. Um, so in that larger context as well, I think Rob Fennessy will be remembered as an important Indiana basketball player, um, obviously for that shot, but he was he was the motor through some very turbulent years in in, Blue, in Bloomington in Assembly Hall. So um, he probably won't get the credit for that that he deserves. But uh, you know, not not a lot of players would in that environment. And unfortunately, he was a product of that. The season was kind of a microcosm of his time in Bloomington. Like overall, it kind of has this tinge of disappointment to it. But there were still really high points. Um, I think everybody was excited when he committed, if nothing else, because we landed him right from under Purdue's feet, basically, in West Lafayette. Um, And he comes in, uh, his freshman year was decent. He obviously hit that shot against Butler in the Crossroads Classic, and uh, but that was kind of it for a long time for him. And he struggled with injuries, he struggled with Archie Ball, and... Um, this year, it seemed like you said at times found his footing. Um, that Purdue game we all thought was going to be a, a springboard for something much bigger. Um, ultimately, an- another injury really was the storyline of the second half of his season, kept him out for a month. Uh, I don't think it was a coincidence, though, that when Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy were both healthy together that this IU team was really good. They won a lot of really big games when the two of them were able to both play, um, much as they may have struggled statistically. 
um, this pair was was really effective together, and um, probably not enough made about that about how much Rob Finnessy's injury hurt this team in an important part of the season. So um, it's kind of a microcosm of, of his career that um, there's always going to be a kind of a what if tied to his time in Bloomington, but also he's going to be a part, like you said, of one of the biggest wins we're ever going to have against Purdue. So uh, touching on the other guys real quick, Parker Stewart, I thought started out really hot, really struggled late in the season. If you look at his first 12 games, uh, the non-conference portion of the schedule, he shot 49.1% from three. Obviously, that wasn't going to be sustainable, but he followed it up the last 22 games by shooting 32% from three. Uh, really struggled late in the year, I thought. What did you make of his one season in Bloomington and, and kind of how it, it played out as it went along? Um, another another sort of disappointing one there with Parker Stewart. Um, really just because of how he started the year. I mean, I mean if he didn't it, – it's unfortunate he sort of fell victim to his own expectations that he had set because of how well he started the year shooting. Um it felt like the first shooter we'd had in Bloomington since I'm a, I'm a little afraid to go back. Um, loft. Oh God, it might be farther back than that. But Blackman, it, maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. It'd been quite a while since we had someone like him. Uh, it was, it, so it was unfortunate that um, he had started, unfortunate that he had started out the season so well, because then it, it sort of, became a frustrating theme throughout the Big Ten play of, um, you know, we need Parker Stewart. Where's Parker Stewart? Why isn't, you know, what happened to him from the beginning of the year? And look, part of that may as well also have been due to some sort of system change. I mean, mm-hmm. look, at the beginning of the season, we put up a 110 points against Syracuse. We put up a, another 100-burger against uh, – uh, or close to a hundred burger against another team. I, I, Marshall, I Marshall, Marshall, right. I almost said Memphis, uh, Marshall. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, big 10 play came and I don't think it's a super big coincidence that Parker Stewart wasn't shooting the ball as well. Obviously the increase in talent that you're playing against has something to do with it, but um, Indiana no longer was free scoring. They were relying a lot on their defense to win games and grind things out for a while. So um, I don't think that's a coincidence. But again, you know, disappointing after the start to the season. But hey, look, if he doesn't put up the offensive output that he does in some of those games, maybe we don't, you know, look, we, we were in the playing game. Every single game mattered. So every game that he had an impact in had a positive impact to this season. And I think that needs to sort of be remembered for him and a lot of people because, again, one more loss anywhere across the schedule, and this Indiana team is probably not playing meaningful basketball in March. Yeah, that's a very fair way to look at it. Probably there were a number of games he was impactful in. The Notre Dame game at Crossroads Classic ended up being a pretty big win, and he was three or four from three in that one. If you're looking at that um, three-point percentage um, that I cited, a lot of that was buoyed by the 6 of 12 shooting he had against Syracuse in that one. Probably a nature of competition getting tougher. That that non-conference schedule was against a lot of bad teams, if we're being honest. And the Big Ten, even for how much it might have flamed out in the tournament, was not bad teams, at least. And 
Um, the defenses are always tough. So um, that probably wasn't a coincidence either, but um, I thought those two were the most important pieces of uh, the departing class. We'll, we'll mention Durr and Lander here in a minute and talk about how Indiana goes about replacing all four of them. Before that, though, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, uh, podcasts, and re- all the different leagues this season as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. If we're talking about players that never really carved out a, a role with this team to varying degrees, Michael Durr and Christian Lander as well. Um, Durr had some moments, but it seemed like his minutes were mainly tied to whether Trace was in foul trouble. Christian Lander, I will never quite understand what happened there. Uh, but he just never could find his way in the rotation uh, once the season really got going. Uh, just kind of briefly, do you have any big thoughts on, on either of their seasons? No. Again, you you mentioned it with Michael Durr earlier, um, how he stepped up in the Purdue game with with Trace in foul trouble. Um, I, I really don't have much, honestly. Christian, I mean, you said it yourself. We basically forgot about Christian Lander in this section. Yeah. Because he he just didn't really have much of an impact on the season. Again, we don't really know what went wrong there. We don't know how it just kind of happened, um, and it's it's not really surprising. So I hope he I hope he lands somewhere and and thrives. I really do. But you know, there's in terms of a season recap for him, I've I've got pretty much nothing. It always seemed like Indiana obviously had turnover problems early on, but that always seemed to be the the holdup with him is that he t- he does turn the ball over a lot, and that just is not something Mike Woodson wanted in a point guard. And it became pretty apparent once fantasy went down with injury and they started playing Trey Galloway as the backup point guard that this wasn't going – like everybody I think knew Christian Lander was going to transfer at the end of the season. So, um, again, another kind of what if – a disappointing time. He was a five-star recruit that you could right away last season as Archie Ball this season. We obviously don't really know what to make of it, but yeah, I think everybody's rooting for him moving forward. My, my stance is pretty much always once a Hoosier, always a Hoosier, so I'll be rooting for him at the next stop. Filling in these holes now, these guys have left specifically kind of Fennessy and Stewart. Um, just in terms of minutes, I think it's pretty clear um, I think Jalen Hood-Shafino is going to take up pretty much all of Rob Finnessy's minutes, and Parker Stewart's kind of combined. Um, he's going to be the backup point guard. He's going to be um, that two guard that Parker Stewart was last year. I think him and Xavier Johnson are going to start together. So that one seems obvious. Um, Michael Durr, there aren't a lot of minutes to really take up there, so there aren't a lot to really worry about. Um, Maybe it's Logan Duncan who didn't play a ton this year. Maybe it's a transfer. Maybe it's Malik Renault if he makes his decision um, in the coming weeks and he comes to Bloomington, then he's going to be eating up a lot more than than just Michael Durr's minutes. So um, that one's a little less clear, but there are some some players there. And then um, 
if you just look at Parker Stewart, the minutes that Jalen hood Shafino doesn't take, I would imagine Tamar Bates will step up, Trey Galloway as well. More than just their minutes, though, um, how are the Hoosiers going to replay? I mean, Rob Fennessy, for all of his inconsistencies, was a really good defensive point guard. Does it worry you at all that the Hoosiers are going to have to replace that as a, a, a great defensive guard out on the perimeter? Not in particular, and that really has a lot to do. You could just look to this season um, in the form of Trace Jackson Davis um, under the stewardship of Mike Woodson, watching him go from a bad defense, an outright bad defender, yeah, um, to a legitimately very good one um, in the course of one off season. Uh, it gives it gives me a lot of optimism for him being able to coach defense into these guys, and you know Mike Woodson and his system. It's effort, 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 and um, that's 60, 70% of the battle with defense's effort. And that will be lacking from a Mike Woodson team. So I'm not particularly concerned about that for the reason that we have Mike Woodson here. It also, I mean, if we're talking about kind of a lead defender on the perimeter, Trey Galloway kind of blossomed into that role a bit during the season as well. So I could see him forward, uh, in that department, uh, when it comes to kind of Parker Stewart's role, he was seen as the shooter on this team, but I mean, as we cited with those stats, um, his lack of shooting by the end of the year, I mean, I, I, I will not watch rewatch that St. Mary's game, but it was readily apparent during that game and in the Wyoming game, if we're being honest, that nobody respected his three point shot. Um, they would close out hard to him and they'd be aware of him, but that didn't change how they were going to defend. And that's a problem for that's kind of more of a big picture problem for IU and figuring out how to get consistent production from that spot next season. Is there anybody you're kind of anticipating could step up and be that scorer that um, Stewart was at the beginning of the year and then wasn't later in the year? I'm cautiously optimistic about a bump from Tamar Bates. Um, I, I don't know why something about him just gives me a really good feeling about him going into year two. Um, I think he'll step up with the additional minutes, um, that he should theoretically be getting. Yeah. Um, and don't rule out Geronimo. Don't rule out him, whether they, you know, whether he slides into the starting lineup as the, th as the starting three, um, whether he increases his minutes off the bench, whether he outright takes races spot in the starting lineup. I mean, you just... You, you just don't know, but we saw a lot from him, particularly towards the end of the year, the obvious comparison to OG Anunobi and and the uh, the raw skills that he had and uh, the leap that he had made. Um, so I, I think he'll see a big bump in scoring next year, and I think that part of that is going to come down to where he plays. Um, we don't know if he'll play the three, if he'll play the four, if – if he'll be a five and a small ball lineup, I mean, and we can't look, we can't really make any of these statements until we know for sure what's happening with race and trace. Yeah. Um, but as the team is currently constructed, assuming that they're coming back, I think Tamar and Geronimo will do a nice job of picking up the pace as well as obviously another year of Galloway. I think he, you know, I think he should get a little bit better. We saw enough from him this year to be cautiously optimistic about him having, um, a role next year and obviously not, you know, 
not enough to feel confident in him playing 30 minutes a night, but that you rarely get those anyways. So I, I feel, I feel good about that, that threesome moving forward in, in terms of how they replace, um, replace the lost talent. Yeah. I think that is the safest bet. Tamar Bates is a five-star recruit. That should be enough reason or reason enough to believe uh, that he could make a jump. Um, I thought there were moments and maybe he deserved a little bit more playing time during the season so that he could potentially be an option in tournament time when points were at a premium team. Um, but yeah, I would say Tamar Bates, uh, Jordan Geronimo really primed for a big summer. Um, and then Trey Galloway um, coming in. Listen, if he can just get a, a consistent average three point shot, he's going to be a really, really, really impactful player. So We'll be talking about all those guys down the line as well, but those are the three I would imagine are going to step into those roles uh, most uh, this upcoming season, barring any kind of transfer, any kind of uh, – I don't think there's going to be any guard committing. I think it's Malik Renault or Bust when it comes to any more recruits. So be interesting to see just the internal development for this coaching staff now with a lot of pieces that are intriguing moving forward. So – Jared, thanks as always for coming on. We'll be sure to get you on um, sometime down the line to do another one of these recaps. As always, guys, thanks for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back on Monday. We'll have another men's basketball um, individual recap. We'll be starting on the actual players that are coming back themselves. So it'll be a lot more interesting kind of looking forward than simply just a guessing game right now. So be sure to come back on Monday and listen to that one. Now, get listen locked on. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Appreciate all the love you guys continue to show us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review. Most importantly, though, guys, have a great Friday and a terrific weekend in LEO.